goal chance for Conor McGrath here and he'll surely give it in Conor what a goal Mackie heading it towards the 21 metre line Kane Mackie still going goal is up for Cats oh what a goal I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now anywhere in the world it's time to take Sam to throne if you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. But will stick in your mind that the champions who showed class. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. A small change before the game, worth the street. <laughs> Been a look, Donovan Connor, man. Wild effort on goal. It's on the What's going on to Friday's Off The Ball GAA podcast? It is... Shane Stapleton. And Oshin Langan with you as always. You can get Shane on. At Shane Sane. And you can get me on at Oshin Langan. GAA on News Talk with Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsor of the GAA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Championship. Keep up to date and follow hashtag Hurling to the Core. On today's show, Colin Ryan of Clare. I was about to refer to him as former Clare Hurler, but he may not be former Clare Hurler just yet. He has stepped away from the panel. He may go back. So we'll refer to him of as Colin Ryan of Clare. Mm, He's absolutely. going to talk to us about the All-Ireland quarterfinal. Clare against Tip on Saturday. It's the first big game at Porky Cueve. Also, on Sunday, it's Waterford against Wexford. A big weekend of football qualifiers as well as Donegal take on Galway and Markovic Park in Sligo and uh, Mayo meet Cork. Kevin Cassidy, formerly of Donegal, will talk to us about Donegal against Galway. I guess we'll also ask him about Mayo and Cork as well. That one on in Limerick. Mm, we sure will. Uh, Porky Cueve, looking forward to it. I am as well. I'm not looking forward to the drive there, I have to say. Well, I'm going to get the train. I just I can't stress it enough. If you are going to Porky Cueve and you're driving, park well away from the ground or better yet, get public transport. The parking situation is going to be a night, night, nightmare. I mean, I've been saying it from the start. They really should have gone out to a greenfield site outside of Cork City Centre. They haven't and that's that. But the stadium itself looks absolutely fantastic. It looks great. And the thing is, even for the spectators, when you used to sit in the old Parky Cueve, it was a horrendous experience. Dump. Like, if Utter dump. If you're over five foot six, your knees are going to be squashed against yeah. the person in front of you into their back. And they're constantly looking around at you and saying, will you, will you actually get off me? You know, so it's, it was a sickener. Um, and the dressing rooms were an absolute disgrace. It was the stadium version of Coppers. Yeah, it yeah. looks great though. And I, I miss going down to Cork because, you know, I'd have gone down there many times watching mm-hmm. different games and and even the walk down. and It was just an enjoyable place to go and the, see The a match. stadium itself, when it's full, creates quite a good atmosphere or it used to in its old form. Yeah. The way it looks now, it looks like it's going to do that as well. As someone said to me during the week, Stephen Gleeson of Tip FM actually went down there to have a look at the place and he said it's like a more homely version of Crow Park which judging what from what I've seen is actually a pretty good description but when it was half full or it was raining it was just horrible and even when it was full even when there was an atmosphere you had to put up with so much bad stuff it nearly wasn't worth it mm, yeah and of course um, yeah I think a lot of the team the teams have already gone down and had puck rounds down yeah. there because you know Tip the way, didn't actually no I think a lot of the teams would go down, like Waterford were down there last Saturday, I think, and just to just to get a familiarity, just so that there's no such thing as, I haven't been here before, I'm not sure what it's going to be like. Uh, they were down there, even just for free takers, getting used to what it looks like, what's going to be in your eye line, uh, just, just to get rid of any doubts. So, yeah, looking forward to it anyway, for sure. We'll hear from Shane McGrath, formerly of Tipperary, a little bit later on, but I did speak to him about that, and he said he would have rather go there first if he was a tip player. Because he said the dressing rooms and all that, that's fine. He said, but you want to get your eye in if you're a free taker. And also, surface-wise, 
you want to know what kind of studs do I use so. well, I think Michael Ryan is a very good manager and he's a very astute manager I'm sure he's every base covered but from a player's point of view individually I'm sure they would just have liked to get their foot on the surface mm. players are like that aren't they? they they want to be as familiar with somewhere some as they are, possibly some can some aren't some couldn't care less so I suppose it's down to the individual but either way I'd say once the whistle is thrown or once the whistle goes and the ball's thrown in I mean all that kind of goes out the window really Okay, still to come on Off The Balls Friday GAA podcast. Pat Nolan of the Irish Mirror on the Troubles in Offaly. We'll also talk about drinking in leash. Uh, Kevin Cassidy will talk to us about the football qualifiers. But first, it is Colin Ryan of Clare. Um, Colin, you've stepped away for the season, having won in All-Ireland a couple of seasons ago, but you have given an awful lot. Um, is it this time of year that you miss it when kind of a big game like this, like the one at the weekend on, on Saturday against Tipperary, the All-Ireland quarterfinal, is coming up. Um, like I, I, I think I, you know, I think I talked to Shane about this before. I think um, it's pro- it's possibly maybe, you know, the, you know, ten minutes after a game where you have a sense of pride and satisfaction and, you know, maybe fulfilment that you've won the game. Um, it may be something that I've missed, but I certainly haven't missed all the training and all the talk about it and everything else that goes with it. But, um, like the bigger the games are, I suppose the more you're going to miss them. You know, no matter what. But I. Uh, like I certainly didn't miss maybe the the three or four days after the Munster final when you know it was it was really down and uh, you know everybody was kind of questioning everybody around Clare and stuff like that and the 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 atmosphere was a bit kind of um, you know dour around the place you know about maybe how they played and stuff like that so um, I definitely don't miss that side of it but definitely I suppose you know if Clare were to turn over Tipperary on Saturday and uh, the feeling after it is something you know that you kind of you long for maybe it's something that's hard to replace. I'm sure you've been talking to some of the lads and I'm sure even if you haven't you kind of know what they must be going through is the frustrating thing for Clare that they lost that game without playing particularly well and executing their plan but they actually weren't far away they could still have won it despite not playing at their best Yeah it was kind of a strange one I think um, like I suppose maybe from people watching it probably would have been a travesty if Clare had won it the way they played Um you know, like, even though they had chances, they hit a lot of wides. Um, but, uh, like, it, it's hard to know. I kind of, from watching it myself and stuff like that, you kind of be saying, you know, when they scored 1-1 and they got within two points of uh, of Cork, you were kind of just, you know, saying, Grenzo, like, you know, have a cut. And I think what frustrated them most maybe was that they didn't, you know, they didn't have a cut. They didn't go for it when they kind of had a smell of it there, you know, with about 10, 15 minutes to go and... It's probably something that maybe even their management will look back on and go, you know, they could have just, you know, took the shackles off and told them, you know, have a go at it. And I suppose the most frustrating, the most disappointing part, you know, as a player coming out of it, is probably that, you know, they didn't. And, you know, they definitely will look back on it and go, you know, it was a chance probably missed, you know, if they really had gone for it in them last 10 or 15 minutes. I think they had the momentum um, I think they definitely would have caused Cork trouble if they'd pushed up in the puck outs and maybe Cork had to go 50-50 in all along. Colin, you know, the Clare midfield and half-back line just didn't really feed that uh, inside forward line that Clare have. So Shane O'Donnell, Conor McGrath and Aaron Shanner, they just didn't get enough ball and just struck like wides from 90 yards. The whole country could see it. Like, will Clare be able to rectify it in the space of a few weeks? Because that's surely what they need to do because that tip full back line probably is the, the weakest area on the team. You'd be hoping to think so anyway. Like you know, it would, I I, th- I think I think it would be it'd be quite strange if that wasn't their tactic. Like you know, you could I like I see it. You know, even at club level, um, like I suppose the two the two players that are just you know phenomenally you know um 
I suppose every club in in the county sets up to to stop ball coming into Conor McGrath and Shane O'Donnell. You know, like if you were to play them in a club game, the first thing you'd be saying is, you know, try and sit back and try not to, to let them get the ball because they're so dangerous. Um, like and they're real goal getters. And like I just think the way Clare played the last day, you know, it allowed Cork maybe to sit back a touch when Clare weren't getting the scores and. You know, Mark Ellis was able to sit back in front of Conor McGrath and he was able to sit back in front of um, of Shane O'Donnell. And I just think maybe, you know, if, if they were to put somebody centre-forward who, you know, might be like a Conor Lahan, obviously the obvious option would be like a Tony Kelly, yeah. you know, who might score you, you know, four or five points from play, then suddenly Ronan Maher is left with a very different scenario where he has to, you know, make a decision whether he's going to, you know, come out and pick him up or, or sit back and they're going to pull somebody else back, you know, to... To cover him, so like you saw the damage that Conor Lahan caused him. So like, you know, I'd be looking at Clare. You know, will it be? You know, will it be something the management are thinking of? You know, you'd hope that they're weighing up their options of you know what they're going to do and try and you know make it uncomfortable for Ronan Maher rather than letting him sit back in front of the full forward line, which is obviously Clare's you know most potent line and you know something that they're definitely going to get a lot of joy out of if they can create the space and get a lot of ball into them. Yeah, I don't think anyone would dispute the fact that the tip inside line is possibly the most dangerous in the country with uh, John McGrath, Seamus Callanan and John Bubbles O'Dwyer. And there's some talk that David McInerney mightn't make the game either and Keane Dillon might come in. So certainly that clear defence looks like it could be there for the taking if tip feed enough ball in as well. Would you have any worries about that um, that clear defence keeping tip in check? It's 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 definitely the worry, you know, in Clare, I think. And it's it's probably Tipperary's worry is keeping Clare's full forward line in check. Yeah. Um like I think I think the two full back lines, you know, are going to be under fierce pressure, I think, on both sides if Clare do throw the shackles off and actually get a lot of ball into, you know, them and, and change the way they were playing. Um I know the Clare full back line will definitely be under, you know, a lot of duress, I think, with with yeah. the three lads who are in there, especially maybe them after, you know, finding a bit of form, you know, at the last day out and and getting a few scores under the belt, you know, maybe they weren't having the best of seasons, but, you know, it's, it's confidence. Like, you know, I know any player who comes out of it scoring, you know, two or three goals and, and their full forward line, I think, scored, was it four, four, five, seventeen or fourteen? Five seventeen, yeah, a crazy yeah. figure. Like, so, you know, you'd have to wonder maybe about the full back line, you know, the last day too. So, like, I'd, you'd hope to think that Clare, you know, are, are thinking about that. And, like, I suppose it's it's the one thing in inter-county hurling, you know, Will you back yourself in a fifty-fifty battle against somebody? And it's, you know, it's 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 something that you pride yourself on. Maybe you know, taking it under the belt, and it's it's a competition. And um, you know, I'm sure the Clareful backline will be looking to come out of it. You know, if they break fifty-fifty, I think with that full forward line, I think they'll be doing fierce well. So, like, um, the real thing is if 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 Tip's full forward line do hit form, you know, Clare are going to have to feed their full forward line, and hopefully, you know, we could be in for a great game if it does open up. And one-on-one, Clare would fancy themselves against anyone. But one of the positives that I want to really focus on from the court game is Cahill Malone and maybe John Conlon as well because ahead of that game, people were saying, do Clare have the ball winners? Do Clare have the physicality? And those two, they do seem to have it. Malone was very unlucky not to get a goal, but he was very good at just bulldozing through tackles. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, you know, the uh, talk around Clare, I think, is that you know, there's going to be you know, maybe a switch here or there. I think I don't know are they going to go with more of that kind of you know play to try and you know break it up a bit more. Um, you know, there's talk of Peter Duggan. Maybe you know he might come in from the start. It's hard to know. Um, you know, and, and really create maybe another ball winner situation like where where it could cause a bit of trouble maybe for Tipperary. But um, 
Yeah, definitely. I think there would have definitely been doubts and, you know, people would have been worried maybe about what was going on. But I thought um, John Conlon, Colin Malone and David McInerney, I thought, were probably the three who really brought the fight to, to Cork the last day. And they're going to need a lot more lads, I think, to step up if they're going to cause Tipperary any trouble this Saturday. Now, I'm not trying to make excuses for Clare, but you've been part of a run that saw Clare win an All-Ireland. And one of the reasons you won that All-Ireland is because you got momentum you got games on a regular basis and you were able to build it up. Ahead of the game against Cork, Clare only had one game between league and championship and that was against Limerick who were poor and they didn't have to be brilliant to win that game. I think that's fair to say. Whereas Cork came in with real momentum having beaten Tip and having beaten Waterford. Is that something you'd look at and say actually maybe Cork were that bit sharper because of that and now maybe Clare have that bit of extra sharpness because of that game and what they will have learned from it? Yeah, like Ocean, it's 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 hard to know. Like I suppose the thing about Munster Championship is you have to prepare for that. Like you know, you know it's coming, and like it's not something that's you know a shock to the system that they only found out in you know in January that has changed from years gone by. So like you know, you'd hope to think that we were better prepared, you know, for things like that to happen. Um, but it's definitely, I think, it's a problem in the GA in general. You know, if you were to ask every player, you know, what they like, you know, I used to enjoy the the league you know, side of it a fierce amount because you were playing games, you know, week in, week out. And, you know, you kind of had that scenario where, you know, listen, if you were poor one week, you had the chance to make up for it the following week very quickly and it didn't play in your mind, you know, maybe as much. Um, but like, you know, were Limerick that great, I suppose, against Clare the first day? Did they get tested, you know, that much? They probably didn't, you know, they probably won kind of, um, you know, it, it wasn't a great game of hurling, you know, and, and Clare were... We're definitely the better team. I suppose Shane O'Donnell's goals were the difference in the end. But, um, you know, they definitely weren't tested as much as Cork were. You know, Cork had, had two fantastic games, you know, against Tipperary and Waterford. And, you know, coming that side of the draw, maybe it did help them. But, um, you know, I still think, you know, Clare knew what was coming. They knew they were preparing for a one-off game against Cork. And, you know, they were kind of coming in under the long grass. And, um, you know, I think they had a chance to win it with 10, 15 minutes to go. And they just didn't really take it. Colin, can we, can we talk a little bit about the rivalry between Tipperary and Clare? You know, as a Tipperary person, I can confirm that we hated you in the 90s, for sure. Like most of the country did, fairness, I think, by Tipperary the Tipperary people hate everyone, including themselves. Yeah, and especially suppose, themselves. I suppose a lot of people kind of have so. a bit of disdain for Tipperary as well. Yeah, but, well there's uh, a reason for that. And some of it justified, of course. Some? So, Colin, there's no win for Clare against Tipperary in the Championship for 14 years. Uh, you were part of the Munster... Uh, or sorry, part of the under-21 Clare team that was robbed in the Munster under-21 final back in 2008 when you, had a, you specifically had a 21-yard free to tap it over and win a first Munster under-21 final. Instead, the referee adjudged that um, your goalkeeper had stepped outside of the square when he was taking the puck out just beforehand and Tipperary had a 65 and won the game. And it was pandemonium. There was guards on the field. There was an escort for the referee. Seamus, Ken- Seamus Hennessy was doing his speech with just through a chorus of boos. I mean, what are your thoughts on Tipperary? How do you feel about them? Well, obviously you were delighted with that. You love pandemonium <laughs> and everything that goes with it. So, like, uh, you know, I'd say, I'd say it was one that Tipper looked back on with fierce fondness, I think, you know, the whole, the whole of Clare giving out to him. But, um, no, like... Um, yeah, like it definitely, it left a bitter taste. I think in in our you know mouths and like, I suppose it would have been something maybe that would have had repercussions for years to come. Only for the fact that maybe we we made up for it the following year, and it probably drove us on to to win the twenty one the following year. So yeah, the like, All Ireland as well as the Monster. yeah yeah exactly. Which which definitely you know I think um and and maybe without that heartache you know of two thousand and eight 
you know, would we have been dri- as driven in 2009 at all? Like, we, we barely won a minor game. That 21 team barely won a minor game, you know, or even a 16s game, you know, down along the line. Mm. So, like, there was a bit of hurt there. And uh, maybe we can thank Tipperary for that, maybe. Or maybe we can thank the referee. I don't know which one we're going to thank. But, <laughs> a Limerick referee. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, um, it's definitely hard to know. But, like, uh, the weird thing about it was, I suppose, you know, when we were growing up as kids, um, like, and most of this team that was growing up, you know, it was it was kind of strange. There was a, there was a fierce rivalry, and uh, obviously, Gerlach Nan had a lot to do with that, I suppose, and everything that went with it. And he was paying for blood every time they went out. And there was a couple of, um, you know, serious operators on both sides of both teams, you know, and I think they left nothing on the on the field after that, apart from a bit of blood, maybe. But um, they 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 definitely, you know, created a fierce rivalry. I think. The games, you know, in the mid '90s were were ferocious affairs. Like, you know, I, you know, you just think back to the clip of Colin Lynch in '98, you know, against Waterford. Like, you know, and what he got away with that day. If he did that today, he'd be in jail. Like, so, like, um, like I, I think the games were very different. There was there was a fierce ferociousness, and they were allowed, you know, to get away with maybe a lot more. I think, um, you know, to pull a dirty stroke now, you know, there's so many cameras, and you know, the Sunday game and everything else. You know, the, the game has changed. Um, obviously, we haven't played Tipperary as much maybe in the last, you know, 14 years. I think it's three times maybe or something like mm-hmm. that. Obviously, they've got the better of us, you know, in all three times. So, like, I think definitely, you know, Claire will be looking to turn the tide on that a small bit. I suppose this group of players that, that are there at the minute haven't really faced Tipperary. You know, I think the last time was 2010, I think. Was 2011, it? I think. Conor 2011, yeah. yeah. And, like... There wasn't, you know, you, there's probably only three or four lads maybe starting on, on Saturday. If, if even, you know, there might be only two. Mm. Um, I think maybe Conor McGrath and John Conlon, I'd say, yeah. um, who faced off in 2011. So, like, the lads that are there, I suppose they don't really, you know, have that rivalry with Tipperary because they haven't really faced them, you know, a whole pile up along. So it's a very strange one, but it could be the start of something, you know, that, that is a great rivalry, you know, over the next couple of years if both teams play to their potential because, you know, they both have the players there that, you know, could cause, you know, a lot of harm to a lot of teams over the next, you know, seven or eight years. So, like, you'd be hoping to think maybe it's the start of something great. Colin, you're not hurling for Clare this year, but that doesn't mean you're resting. You actually won an Oscar Trainer Cup in soccer with Clare. And as it's a hurling podcast or a podcast this week that is kind of dominated by hurling, I'll say the term soccer with a real grimace because we're judging it I've seen seen Shane Stapleton who is an All-Ireland club winning hurler play soccer and he looks like he's going to fall over every time the ball is at his feet what are you like as a player what kind of player are you are you are you silky skilled uh, are you uh, are you a a, a cleared up the line Alan McCarthy what kind of player are you yeah, yeah, definitely not the silky skills anyway. Type. I think uh, I think I was in there for my my GA prowess. You know the 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 few body checks and the few sliding tackles. Maybe I could get away with maybe a bit more in the soccer field than I could do on the hurling field. So um, no defensive midfielder. I think a uh, bit of discipline, uh, bit of bit of get rid of it, a uh, bit of closing down, bit of uh, last ditch tackles. I think more than anything else. But uh, definitely not the silky silky skill type. You know. So, do, you, do you find it difficult not to throw yourself into a tackle? when you're playing soccer because it's it's a very very different game and you can throw a shoulder you can be a bit more physical in hurling than you can be in football so do you find it difficult to find that balance yeah like you know definitely i think when i when i start back you know at the start of every year you're kind of you know you're 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 plowing into a few things and stuff like that but i think you learn very quickly you won't get away with it too much but listen it's it's trying to find a healthy balance i think you know i think part of uh, maybe um, you know what they're looking for with me is to try and find that healthy balance. You know that I can get a bit more, you know, the aggression side of it with, without going over the edge. So 
Um, no, it's um, it's it's fierce enjoyable. You know, it's it's definitely you know something different. And I think you know what I like about it most is the fact that like we're kind of you know it's week in, you know, week out, and I suppose you know you get to a stage maybe or you get to an age where you know you don't not that you don't want to do all the training, but you're kind of feeling like you know. I want to get the most out of it and play as many games as possible and get the most enjoyment out of it, you know. Um, and, you know, definitely, I think, you know, being able to kind of tug out every Sunday, have a game, you know, not be, I think, um, you know, caught up with training maybe for six or seven weeks with no competitive action, you know. I think that kind of bothered me a small bit and it was kind of a case of, yeah, you know, it was great. I really did enjoy it for 10 years. Um, you know, I got got as much enjoyment out of it as anybody could and the friends I got out of it, but... I got to a stage where it was kind of like, you know, you're giving up six weeks of your life here, but you're actually doing nothing with it. You know, only training for the sake of training, maybe, you know, a small bit. And I think it's a culture maybe that the GA need to look into. You know, I think uh, definitely at this stage, you know, it's, it's it's nearly a constant, you know, and, you know, players are looking at, I think, and going, you know, it's training, you know, they're training, 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 you know, and I think they would just want more competitive action, I think, which is which is important. And you, you've been able to enjoy your social life a bit more. Can you kind of explain the differences between how you can just be yourself, go out, whatever it is? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's weird, you know, the, the family, you know, while they loved every minute, I think, of going to, to Clare matches, you know, and uh, I think uh, the heartache and everything else that I caused them, I think, over the years... Um, uh, they definitely, I think, you know, kind of turned around. I think they were around Christmas time and they were like, you know, you're a lot more relaxed. And I, I think it's just a case of, you know, uh, you're not thinking about it all the time. You know, you, you constantly had to be switched on maybe, you know, with, with training and stuff like that. If you were training, you know, three or four times a week, you were constantly worried about what you're eating, you know, how much you're getting sleep because everybody else is trying to take your place, you know, and you're you're trying to be on top of it. So, um like definitely, you know, being able to, you know, even go for a point with, with, with the OLED and, you know, my brother had a child and being able to, you know, kind of catch up with them and, you know, be around, you know, a lot of the things that are going on and, you know, and my wife is expecting there in, in, in about any day now, I think. So, uh, uh, like, you know, being able to be, you know, help her and be around her and stuff like that, you know, um, I think, you know, I was selfish enough for long enough. So it's nice to, you know, she was, she was kind of uh, very supportive, you know, for a lot of years and, you know, to be around for her is, you know, it's great for me as well, and I, you know, I kind of appreciate that. And and hopefully everything goes well with that. And congratulations on that. Just, just one final thing: you're 28 now, are you? Yeah, yeah, 28. Yeah, 29 in a couple of weeks. 29 the month time. Yeah. And could you see? Could you see yourself going back with Claire again? I know you left it late the decision this year because you were kind of waiting to see what would happen in the soccer, and it was more towards the end of the league when you made your decision. But could you see yourself back in the saffron and blue? It's it, it's hard to know, Shane. Like like, listen, as I said, as I said always, you know. If if Donal and Jury, you know, um, if they make that call in the winter time, you know, it's something I'd have to weigh up. Um, like, it's not something I said, you know, I'm definitely finished or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to go back into it after being out of it, you know. And it's weird. I kind of said it to a couple of lads, you know, there's a lot of life outside of it. And, you know, it's kind of, it's a different life. And, you know, being able to go to stags and, you know, have close friends and being able to go to weddings and not have to make excuses and stuff like that is, um, it's a nice lifestyle, you know, after being kind of, I think, caught up in it, you know, maybe in that bubble for a long time. But, um, no, like, it's it's definitely something we'll weigh up, you know, if if the question does happen. You know, I'm really enjoying my hurling with the market. Um, you know, it's nice to, I think, 
even spend a bit more time with the young lads. You know, you're constantly just coming in maybe for a week before a championship and you're not even getting to know maybe people around, you know, young lads coming through in the parish. So it's been fierce enjoyable to be around with all of them this year, you know, and, and it's a different atmosphere and, you know, I'm just, I'm thoroughly enjoying it and, you know, my hurling has probably shown that at club level. So, um, you know, it's something that, you know, while I never say never, um, you know, it's not something that I... Have, have even thought about it at the minute, um, but I'm sure that's up to Donald and Jerry, you know, they could very well say, we'll throw him on the scrap heap and that's the end of him. And, you know, I'm quite happy with that too. So, like, it's their decision. Colin, really appreciate your time. Best of luck with everything coming in the next uh, couple of weeks. A big couple of weeks for you and uh, your family, I think it's fair to say. Thanks yeah, very a different much. couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we're looking forward to it now. Colin, uh, thanks for joining us on Off The Balls Friday GAA podcast. No worries, lads. Thanks a million. He would probably be much too modest to say it himself, Shane, but we can say it. Are Clare missing Colin Ryan? Yeah, they probably are, just to have another option in around midfield and wing forward. Uh, somebody that could probably use the ball a little bit better than they did in the game against Cork. And also, it's no harm to have a, an expert free-taker. He was the highest scorer in 2013. He's the highest scorer ever to not win an All-Star. And uh, I'm sure that kind of grates on him a little bit. I spoke with him about it before. I mean, he's he's kind of put it in the past. But I thought he's that was an automatic selection for an All-Star, the top scorer. No. It's like a, an unwritten rule among the GA press who pick the All-Stars, of which I'm not one. Yeah, ordinarily it would be. But um, yeah, there's, there's no doubt that it'd definitely be beneficial to have him in the team. But mm. if he's happier to step away for a year and, you know, a change can be as good as a rest. So who knows? Maybe he'll be back, but it'd be no harm to have him there. You or I should start our own All-Star scheme. Should we, yeah? I think so. I, I think we'd outdo the current All-Star system. Sure. I think the players would recognise the reward. It'd be up there with the All-Ireland medal, I think. Sure, the, the players themselves voted for the uh, the Hurler of the Year last year and you know a lot of people would say someone from the, the team that didn't win it getting it, Austin Gleeson got it, had some exceptional performances. Yeah. A couple maybe not so much. I think saying it has to be uh, someone from the winning team is a simplistic narrative. No, but a, a lot of players even, I saw given out on Twitter yeah. that, geez, this is a disgrace. Why why would he win it? Not realising that the players themselves voted for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I spoke to a couple of players then and they reckon that there's a lot of political type voting that, you know, people in certain counties wouldn't vote for mm. any Tipperary players. Plus because Park Maher and Seamus Callanan were both um, nominated they that, split the, the vote the temporary votes were okay. kind of split as well I'd yeah. have gone with Paddy Marr actually yeah so would I, so yeah, would I. as yeah. delighted as I was for Austin Gleeson and look of course you could have made an argument for him rightfully he won it but there's probably no point in us arguing about the 2017 2016 player of the year now is there we should probably let that go yeah we'll leave it so okay Uh, let's talk to Shane McGrath of Tipperary he was on News Talk Breakfast with me during the week and we only got to play a small bit of the interview he raised a number of interesting points ahead of Tipperary against Clare and we've heard from the Clare side so let's hear a bit from the tip side I put it to Shane McGrath that Clare need to get their full forward line into it a bit more than they did against Cork as the one thing Tipper vulnerable to at the back is pace. Absolutely, yeah. and if the player management don't use that to their advantage, they'd be very, very foolish. I mean, you've seen what the cock forward the way they did to the tip boys, you know, I mean, look, if, if you stand side by side with the likes of Cody or Ronan Maher, you're not going to win the ball. They're physically, they're very strong. You know, your only hope is to try and pull them around the field, and I've no doubt that the player boys will try and do that. They didn't get enough ball into their full forward line the last day. There was a lot of selfish shots taken from half forward, midfield, and even a couple of their half backs who came up the field, you know, and they, they weren't getting ball in, and I know the lads inside were getting frustrated. But still, Conor McGrath had a very, very good game. You know, I mean, he's for the little amount of ball he's getting on, he's he's doing a lot of damage. So I mean, they need to see that if they can get ball into Conor McGrath, 
get Aaron Shanahan working off him and Shane O'Donnell as well. There is potential there to, to pull the tip boys around the place because, you know, we're, we're not the fastest set of backs. We're, we're a very, very solid set of backs, but we're not the fastest, you know. And uh, Clare are going to use that to their advantage. Are Clare going to go for it from the start? That would be the question. I mean, they, they really do need to. I mean, it's knockout hurling now. I mean, if they go with this kind of sweeper thing, because, you know, a lot of teams do fear what tip forwards can do to them if they get a run of them. I mean, if Jamie, Bubbles and John hit form, they will they will beat any full back line in the country. So are Clare going to say, right, let's go for it. Let's go man on man and let's see can our forwards do what you do to their backs, what we're afraid the tip might do to us. And, you know, I think you could see a very high-scoring game there Saturday. And obviously the factor of the new pitch down there, it looks absolutely unbelievable. So it's obviously going to play very quick. And, uh, you know, it's similar to probably the Coro Park or, or Turles on a, on a fine day. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a nice summer's day down there as well. And just the buzz around the place. I mean, Parky Creeve was probably one of my favourite places I ever played with was Parky Creeve. Um, talking about back in maybe 08, 09, 010, these games. I mean, it's just a coliseum atmosphere down there. And there's going to be a great to see, you know, of blue and gold and, uh, you know, gold and blue down there on, on Saturday. And from all from all reports, it's going to be a sellout. So that'll, that'll play a big factor. And whichever team Oshin can, can deal with this, this, this factor of, you know, a new stadium, haven't played there before, whichever team deals better with that and just soaks up the atmosphere I think is going to win on Saturday I think for Clare in a lot of ways I mean this is unrelated to anything to do with Parky Cueve in the match this weekend I do think it's very important that they finally start to make some inroads consistently in the championship they haven't been to Croke Park since they won the All-Ireland in 2013 even before that their appearances in Croke Park in the cha- and, and I do mean championship in the championship are sporadic too in 2010 they lost a phase 2 qualifier to Dublin and in Croke Park and they got to Croke Park by default they were drawn in a Munster semi-final lost that and then automatically their next game was in Croker 2007 they got through a qualifier group with Antrim, Leash and Galway and their first game in Croke Park lost to Limerick so they're not sure like, and that's that's a decade decades worth those those couple of games and 2013 are the only times they've gotten to Croke Park in Championship like that's very poor and it's t- like we know the talent that's there. You don't win that much underage uh, titles if you don't have a huge amount of talent. But at this stage, what have you done for me lately? We need to see them back it up. Like, to have the players, I mean, I think their defence is a little bit, uh, you know, there are worries there. But they really need to back it up at this stage, I think. And I think the players would admit that themselves. Does that put pressure on them, though? Yeah, again, like... me. Pressure kind of goes out the window as soon as the ball goes in, and I, that sounds like a cliche thing that player that a, a player or a manager would say. But I do think that that is certainly an element yeah. of it. During the week, they're just sitting. Or a in, presenter struggling to come up with the next question. Yeah, well, maybe it is, but you know, if you're in a dressing room, you start talking about what we can do to beat the team. You none of these factors that we talk yeah. about come into it, but there is a very so real is, point. So that, okay, what I should have asked is: is this a factor, or is it just something that people talk about outside the camp, and it makes no difference? that they haven't won a big game in Crow Park, consist- or they haven't consistently won in Crow Park and haven't consistently got to Crow Park for 10 years. Yeah. Well, like I think a landmark win against a big team is what's going to make a difference here. Mm-hmm. Because Waterford, we've seen them get to two All-Ireland uh, semi-finals and lose them to Kilkenny. We've seen them get to a couple of Munster finals and uh, in one case get hockeyed by Tipperary. They've finally gotten the monkey off their back, I think, in some ways, by beating Kilkenny in that qualifier, especially in the circumstances that they did it. Because before, if Kilkenny drew level with you towards the end of normal time, uh, you'd imagine they... Well, I thought, here we go again. Yeah, like the 2013 qualifier, and where Kilkenny just ran away with it in in, uh, extra time. But no, the likes of Jamie Barron steps up, and all of a sudden, 
Wow, do, Watford, do, they're on a run now, are they? Do you give them credit for that and for sticking to their structure and their system? Or do you say, OK, Kilkenny just ran out of legs and that's a team in transition? Regardless of what Brian Cody says, he wouldn't accept any excuses after the game. He said, look, that's the Kilkenny team. They're not a transitioning Kilkenny team. That's the Kilkenny team. And we were beaten by the better team. Yeah, I suppose we're inter- we're talking Watford-Wexford now at this stage, yeah. previewing that Sunday game. Yeah. But uh, I would give Watford credit. Now, because they got themselves in a winning position against Kilkenny, were the better team for a lot of the game, and they probably got a little bit of white line fever towards the end of normal time. So you'd have to say there are a couple of doubts, but I don't think they'll f- there are doubts on the outside looking in. But I think on the inside looking out, they're just thinking, we've done it, lads. We've beaten Kilkenny. Kilkenny were All-Ireland finalists last year. Fine, they didn't have a great league. They were beaten by Wexford. But Kilkenny are still, have been the benchmark for so many years, and we haven't beaten them since 1959. That's a monkey off our back. We know we can beat a big dog. So why wouldn't they think that they could go along and beat Wexford now? And Wexford have a good enough record against Waterford. If you take last year out, um, I suppose you think of 2004 and 20... Was it 2014, Derek's first year? Yeah. Uh, 2014, Wexford beat them. Um, the one before that, 2008, Waterford beat them on their way to the All-Ireland Final. But we remember how that year ended. I prefer to think of the journey rather than the ending, to be honest. But... Mm. Wexford were poor in the Leinster final. Can they get back to the form they showed against Kilkenny or are we overanalyzing what they did against Kilkenny because Kilkenny aren't as good as they were? Yeah, and Kilkenny had Porrick Walsh back in the team after being out for so long and thrown in centre forward. The likes of Jerry Aylward was thrown back in. They didn't. It definitely wasn't Kilkenny at their very mm. best. Michael Fenley didn't play either. I think Wexford need a big performance at the very least just to keep the show on the road heading into next year because it's hugely unlikely that they'll win in All-Ireland this year. It sounds to me like you're saying you think Waterford will win and it's it's about how much. You're saying no, Wexford no, will no. be a big performance. Maybe I'm misunderstanding you. I think out of the two teams, I think we're more likely to see Waterford play to their potential okay. because they've played a lot of big games against big teams in the last four years during Derek's reign. The first year was an absolute write-off. Um, it was terrible. The results were woeful. They got relegated beaten heavily in some games and even losing to Wexford yeah. in the back door I disagree you know, with you there they got a draw against Cork who went on to the All-Ireland final and got a uh, in 2014 no they got hockey by tip in the All-Ireland semi now they did win Lens- or Munster that's fair enough but uh, I think no hold on I'm, I'm saying Waterford back in 2013 that was Derek's first year right no, no 2014 yeah yeah. Well, sorry so you were referencing Derek's first year there yeah saying that okay. it was a write-off I don't because think it was a write-off. I think well, you yeah, very yeah, well. And he no. ripped up the script at the end of the season by completely turning the panel around. So I don't see why it wouldn't be. A write-off. I don't think results-wise was it great. No, it wasn't. But do you learn from that, and do you ultimately benefit? And then is that ultimately a good thing? Yes. So I think it's a very simplistic narrative to say that was a write-off of a year. Uh, okay. Well, he went through the year, realized what I've tried in this year isn't working, so yeah. I've got to try something new. So whatever way you want to look at it, that's fine. That, I would see it as a write-off. You look at it differently. That's fine. You're a Watford man. No, 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 no. Don't, no, don't, don't no, play I've, that uh, card. It's not. It's not a. I'm defending my county card. It's a. I would. County. That's the way I would look at it. Yeah. If it was any county. Yeah. Anyway, so the big thing for Watford, who I I'm actually kind of tipping here and being quite positive yeah. about, is that. They've got some players that are look like they're on form now. The way Maura Shanahan even came in and made an impact. He missed the free to win it at the end of normal time. That was incredibly hard to come in with cold hands yeah. and try and put that over in what was a brilliant atmosphere. It was like fantastic and thorough. Yeah, but Jamie Barron now, all of a sudden, oh. I've been saying for a long while that he's the best midfielder in the country. Maybe Davy Burke beside him as well. 
Like fantastic performance. And I can see him, like if that field plays quick, which we'd imagine it will, I can see him going to town again. And it's not as if he's against a poor Wexford midfield either because Jack O'Connor and Aidan Nolan have serious pace. Bennett looks to have found a bit of form as well up front. Yeah, I think Watford do need... like And the brick. We've, yeah, we've talked, well. we've talked for so long about how this Watford team struggles to score goals. Now they got two in normal time, two in extra time. Before that, they'd only 14 goals in 15 championship games under Derek. So maybe this will release them a little bit. The confidence from beating Kilkenny, it's got to go through the roof. And similarly for Wexford, you know, they were on the crest of a wave after after winning that Leinster semi-final. They faded physically against Galway as that game went on. I thought after a half an hour when they were ahead, very quickly Galway tacked on a few points to go ahead. And it felt like halftime can't come quick enough for Wexford. And just as the second half wore on, it just never looked like it was in doubt at all. Too many players didn't turn up that day. Uh, Lee Chin wasn't great, but he was actually ill that week. So that explains that. Connor McDonald wasn't really in the game at all. And then outside of that, just there was no one really taking it to Galway. Yeah, see, Galway are one of these teams that they just, as things are right now, they're just so unbelievably functional. Yeah. And that's not to dismiss their skill because obviously all their players are incredibly good players. Well, the vast majority are incredibly skillful and they're all excellent athletes. Um, Galway, everyone is just playing like a 7 or 8 out of 10 minimum and they're so strong and so fast and no one's letting the team down that they just wore down Wexford. Yeah, Watford, uh, it's hard to know if they'll do the same thing but I just think the way getting that win is going to imbue them with such confidence that they haven't had before something that shows them yeah we are good enough to yeah. compete with the very best and uh, it's it's Derek's fourth year there all the players will know exactly what he wants from them maybe to do uh, Wexford do with Davy as well but it's year one and I think as long as they don't have a big flop it's still going to be a big year a positive year for Wexford I agree and by the way if you're going to that game from Waterford or Wexford maybe leave now and you might get there on time <laughs> You're with Friday's Off The Ball GAA podcast. It is Shane and Oshin with you. Still to come, Kevin Cassidy on two massive qualifiers over the weekend. He will take a particular interest in Donegal against Galway. That one on in Markovic Park. Uh, but he'll also talk about Mayo against Cork. Is there a kick in Cork or can Mayo continue their comeback? Is that the right word for what they're doing in the last couple of weeks or what they've done in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, just building, 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 building. We'll see. I mean, we, we've seen at the end of the the last couple of championships that they can get themselves up to being as good as anybody so it remains to be seen you'd imagine they'll limp past Cork but uh, we'll talk in more depth with, with Kevin we will indeed don't forget GAA on News Talk with Board Gosh Energy giving customers exclusive access to the GAA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Championship at bgerewards.ie let's talk a wee bit more about football now but off the field matters the leash situation during the week it was reported in the Leinster Express about a very fiery county board meeting well it seemed fiery anyway from what I could gather reading about it uh, John Burke from the Creta Yard Club claimed that some panel members had gone on drinking sessions in the week before big games this summer obviously it was not a good summer for Leash wasn't a good winter either they got relegated from the league they're now in Division 4 Peter Creedon took over this year he, he's only on a one year term yeah. so we're not sure what the future is for him in the championship they started off well enough beat Longford but then took a bit of a beat down from Kildare and that was followed by a loss to Clare at home. Now, I don't think losing to Clare is embarrassing because Clare are a good team and Clare are a Division 2 team and Leash are now a Division 4 team. They were spanked so though. So they were absolutely spanked but that game went to for, for, form. Anyway, in this meeting, various delegates said various things about the panel, about the management 
and about some of the players on the panel. John Burke from the Cretillard Club claimed that some panel members had gone on drinking sessions in the week of big games this summer. He said, here is the place for an honest discussion. We're all adults here. I'd just like to make the point, and I'll ask the question here, is it the manager's fault that at least four of our senior football players congregate for drinking sessions? Everyone in the street is talking about that. Is that the senior manager's fault? Or is it, is it the players' fault? Four of our starting team were involved in that. If we want to come in here now and have an honest discussion, we'll have one. You can't drink pints of Guinness and talk shite in a pub and then play football. We all know who they are as well, lads. It might not have been the day of the match, but it was the days before. Now, Chairman Jerry Kavanagh uh, was also speaking. He said that when he and the rest of the executive met with Peter Creedon prior to Monday night's meeting, they put it to him the rumours had been circulating about that drinking or about drinking in general. And Kavanagh said, when we met the manager, Peter Creedon, he was asked if he was aware of these rumours in relation to the senior football panel. He said that he was unaware of alleged rumours of a certain culture not befitting to an inter-county team. But he said that there were two incidents and both of them were dealt with in-house and they moved on from there. Yeah, it's... I mean, this is something that seems to happen every couple of years in Leash. All of a sudden, maybe things might be starting to improve, and there are rumours, there are problems. Like every couple of years, this this happens. But like the quality in the leash panel, it's not great. And some of their best players, like okay, mm-hmm. there are good players. There you have the Kingstons, the likes of John O'Loughlin, Stephen Atright, and there are a couple of other good players. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of the better players are far side of the thirty mark now. Even the county chairman, he's in his last year. There's a bit of uncertainty there. And, like, look at the underage results in the last couple of years. I was speaking to a journalist down in Leash, and he kind of pointed out to me that the 2013 Leinster under-21 semi-final, the score was Kildare 3.22, Leash 7. The 2014 Leinster minor semi-final, Kildare 3.11, Leash yeah. 5. 2011 Leinster under-21 quarter-final, Dublin 3.21, Leash 5 points. What is it, like, what, I, I what still do you expect? Think, I still think there's a core of players there that should have Leash in a better place than they're in. Are they a Division 4 team? Yes, they are. Should they be in Division 4 with the panel they have? No, they shouldn't. But Dave McIntyre actually raised a very good point the day that Leash played Clare. And you've actually just said it there as well. What have you done for me lately? A lot of these players. Yeah, very little. They haven't little. led. They haven't lived up to their billing. And it's it might sound a bit harsh to lay it on their door. It's not obviously entirely their fault. But maybe they just need to move on from these players or these players need to put in more, or to, you know, move on to what it, though? I mean, yeah. I just listed the underage kind of results, and they're horrendous. Twenty twelve, they yeah. pushed Dublin to a point when Dublin were all Ireland champions, and and probably struggled a little bit to get the run going again the following year. But they pushed Dublin to a point, I think, in an all Ireland quarter final. Yeah. It was certainly in Croke Park in the back door, or sorry, not in the back door, but when Justin I think McNulty was, was in charge. Yeah, and like, where do you go from that? I mean, Dublin have kicked on massively. Mm. Leash at at best have stood still. And the players aren't coming through. They had a better quality of players back then who were in their mm. prime. And at this stage, a number of their players are probably no longer in their prime. And it's just hard to yeah. see where to go. And if a, if a culture is poor and the results are poor, and, and I'm talking about sort of drinking culture and this type of thing, and, you're, and there's not full buy-in, and people are already talking about Creedon has to go and it seems unlikely that he'll stay... Yeah. Where do you, where okay, do you well, go? First of all, this is not any individual's fault and it's certainly not Peter Creedon's fault. Nor am I suggesting it. Uh, yeah. Secondly, I was putting out a theory there about the senior players. I wasn't yeah. saying they should all go. I wasn't saying they're all done. And maybe they are putting it in, but the guys around them aren't. Mm. There could be all sorts of problems when you're not in the county and when you're not 
within that panel, it's hard to know. But like something has gone desperately wrong. And the trouble is, is there's a bit of cutting in these county board meetings. And now I will say this about all county boards. Counties and teams couldn't run without delegates, without county board officials. It just wouldn't be possible. But sometimes I think that there is a lack of understanding about elite sport, which all inter-county teams are playing, regardless of level. I'm sure when delegates talk about drinking, they're doing it with the best intention in mind. But sometimes, and I'm not talking specifically about this individual case, I'm just talking about guys socialising and drinking in the GA. Like last year, the Irish players, some of them were pictured with beers in their hand after we beat Italy. Half an Italy team in Euro 2016. There wasn't a word said about it. But if a GA player is spotted with a pint glass, it might be full of water. But if he's spotted with a pint glass in a pub a week or two weeks before a championship match, it's a story. It's yeah. a rumour. It's they're 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 set upon. And it's Ooh. it's a it's a side to GA I don't like. Now, we don't know where those lads having a pint. If they were having a pint six, seven days before a championship match, I don't think that's a big deal. Yeah, well, Especially like, not when your body's in kind of peak condition like that. Even the Lions, and obviously I hate referring to rugby, but yeah. they were pictured, was it five days before the third test and they were having a few brews and it's not a big deal to them at all. Yeah. I think many players out there know the effects of having a drink. I mean, if it's a week beforehand, as long as you haven't gone absolutely nuts, yeah. had a few drinks and prepared right in the meantime, yeah. does it make a big difference? I don't think anyone can categorically say one way or another. But either way, it's just yet another symptom of what's going wrong in in leash yeah. and you know yeah I but mean, this is a multi okay but do you think there are old fogies in these county boards too often that are absolutely out of touch with the reality of what it is to be an inter-county player oh absolutely get off that fence no i absolutely do think that i i, I know it for certain and the thing is is their intentions are actually really good and they are in a volunteer capacity and again i i, I want to be very very clear here i'm not being specific to this leash situation and these players and what that delegate said, I'm just talking about the attitude towards players who might be seen out in a pub the week before a match. And if they happen to have a pint, I wouldn't be judging them too harshly. I think in GA we do that. And over the years, maybe there has been that attitude in Leash and one or two other counties. And it hasn't helped and it creates an atmosphere. And then it just all unravels. And it's all part of a big, wide problem. And we've seen it in Leash and a few other pro- counties it ain't just one thing. It ain't just one group of players. It isn't just because guys are going for a pint. It's a culture. It's just a culture. A negative culture. Speaking of counties with problems, you'd have to say that Offaly must count itself as one. Kevin Ryan left earlier in the week. He was their hurling manager. They took some heavy beatings in the championship. They stayed in Division 1B, so it wasn't all bad for them this year. But I guess if you're looking at that and saying it's a positive for Offaly, then it shows how far Offaly have fallen. Now... The manager losing a gig or walking away, regardless of circumstance, is always a bit of a story. But Pat Nolan of the Irish Mirror, who's also from Offaly, it's kind of a, it's a small part of this story because it's a wider story. And Offaly have had issues for many years. Perhaps you might explain what they are and how they came about. Yeah, naturally when a manager steps down, it's it's, it's, it's going to garner a certain amount of attention. But uh, unlike the past landing affair the week before or, or a week or two before, um, but... For me, all of that is dwarfed by, by the fact that the, the Hurling Implementation Committee uh, stood down, uh, resigned en masse. Um, and as I've said, it's a credit to those people that they stuck in there for as long as they did because uh, they've been undermined at every turn uh, for the last two or, two, or, two or three years from when they started out as the review committee produced a report which was then ignored for at least 13 months. 
and was only belatedly acted on when the board was uh, humiliated into doing so because it was leaked to the to uh, local and national media. Um, and then that's, that that report was finally started to be act, to be acted upon by the implementation committee, which was then formed out out of, out of the review committee. And uh, again, they were just frustrated at, at every turn. They, they they had great ideas as to how to revitalise off awfully hurling with the, with the with the with the courts and structures in the county. And um, but but they 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 just weren't allowed to uh, carry out the job. That they were put in place to do, and uh, and the county board stand indicted for that. Uh, they haven't entertained any questions on the issue from me, uh, both of late and last year when when the when the report was was leaked into the public domain. Uh, they have an ostrich mentality. Um, they're hoping that this will blow over. That there there is no August county board meeting. There will be one in September, by which time new training facility in Cumbria will have opened. Uh, they will try and surf the uh, the goodwill that will come from that, and hope that all this episode will have, will have blown over by, by by then. But it's gone too far at this stage. I, I just think that can't be allowed to happen. I think uh, there needs to be a revolution uh, in Offaly GA administration. Uh, I think it needs uh, personally. I think it requires a cohort of former players to come together and just to shout stop and to call for origin urgent change uh, I think it re- and there's a responsibility on the clubs too to uh, produce more dynamic people that, that, that contribute at county board level because there is a stainless about county board meetings where the county board just aren't challenged by delegates and that almost gives them a mandate to pull the type of stunts like, like, what, like what we've seen lately and over the last 10 or 15 years plus that, um, hurl, that hurling review committee, Pat, that, that was chaired by Liam Hogan and involved uh, former Offaly player Brian Carroll and All Ireland win Camogie captain Marion Crane. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, have you have you had a sense from them what exactly their frustrations were, just in terms of like anything they suggested wasn't been acted upon? Is that is that how it was? Well, there was that, but there was the, the, the communication uh, was non-existent uh, at, to 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 a large degree. Uh, they had a clear the air meeting on May the ninth, uh, where communication was stressed, uh, and improvement of communication with the county board was stressed uh, as being pivotal to their continuation. And from speaking to members of the committee, uh, they said that county board members were almost aghast that they hoped that they weren't stepping down at that stage. And when they said they'd give it one last try, there was there was they they could feel a sense of disappointment on the on the, on the part of the county board that that they were going to give it one last go, but thereafter the county the county board didn't contact them for well they didn't contact them again un, until after they resigned, which was um, some eight weeks later. Mm. Um, but in terms of acting on stuff like the, the, the Offaly County Board has a link up with Athlone IT to look after strength and conditioning uh, for Offaly teams. Uh, That's gone now as well, isn't it? Well, effectively, yeah. There, there was a forty thousand euro grant from Leinster County for that. Um, now, for the first year of that, it was felt that because the Offaly senior team was so far behind in strength and conditioning that 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 the vast majority of the of that funding should be diverted diverted towards the senior team. And then this year, it was supposed to filter down more to the underage development squads, and that didn't happen. And the committee questioned time and time again as to why that wasn't happening. And then they eventually learned that person in Athlone IT who was responsible for rolling out that process had long since moved on to a different job 
and hadn't been adequately replaced uh, in terms of working with, with the Offaly players. The county board had kept that from the committee uh, from, for seven or eight months at least until they eventually found out. And that, along with the lack of communications and myriad other issues, was the tipping point in terms of finally stepping down. They, they, they felt their position was no longer tenable. But as far as I'm concerned, uh, their position was, was more than tenable. It's, 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 it's the people at the other side of the table that should be considering their position and should be put under considerable pressure between now and County Convention to move on. OK, Pat Nolan of the Irish Mirror, thanks for joining us on Off The Ball's Friday GAA podcast. You're very welcome. Off the Balls Friday GAA podcast. Time to talk about this weekend's football. Time to talk about on-the-pitch matters. And they are fairly important matters this week. It's round four of the qualifiers. Two matches taking place. One in Markovic Park. It is Galway against Donegal. That one off at seven o'clock on Saturday night. At five o'clock in Limerick, it's Mayo against Cork. Former Donegal player Kevin Cassidy joins us. Kevin, how are you? Hi, Arjun. How's thanks? I'm very good. Um, talk to me about Donegal's form line this season because they were talked up going into the Ulster Championship and the game against Tyrone then it all just seemed to fall apart against Meath they got a bit of a challenge against Longford they didn't play particularly well so so where are they? Hard to know I also where they are to be honest I was one of those who talked them up after the league because I went to see them a couple of times and you know I expected them really to be building this year but you know they introduced a couple of young players and they seem to be doing the business. The two new midfielders, Thompson and Jason McGee, you know, they were holding their own and they were scoring for fun. And then you like young Jamie Brennan up front and even my own two club men, um, you know, Keane Mulligan and Michael Carr were showing well. So the signs were promising early on, but then whenever come championship, you know, I suppose the only worry was it's a completely different animal, championship to league, you know. So we were definitely caught there. Um, we were talking less against Tyrone and... You know, we've got ones in the qualifiers and I suppose that's all it matters really. It's not the performance, it's just the good there. Is that the important thing, especially when it's a young team? Build momentum and get the wins. And even if the performance isn't perfect, maybe that's actually a good thing. Like you'll get a hell of a lot more out of the tight wins over Longford and Mead than you would have if you met Division 4 opposition and absolutely battered them. Definitely. Like whether it's a young team or an old team, you know, anybody who's been knocking about squads... When you get uh, normally like your 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 championship, your own provincial championship is the aim, and you know everything's geared towards that because you know that's the easiest route. Once you're beaten, whether you admit it to yourself or not, there's a wee set. I can, you know, going to train becomes a chore rather than something you want to do. So each each qualifier one, you know, it gets you back in the groove, and you know this is the this is the one now. You get on that stage now, and your season's right back on track where it should have been. You know, now against Meath, they were up against a very defensive set up and there was a lot of sideways passing and a lot of slow build up there wasn't really much pace to it against Galway though they should actually be able to go a bit more direct and I don't mean play long balls I mean just run at them and attack because Galway defensively aren't great they're vulnerable they are definitely and I think we can get at them if we for the right frame of mind you know when we approach the, the game properly I think Donegal can do damage in that area but likewise if we're given space that we've been given all year to the Galway forward line, they can do us damage. So, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough one for, for Rory Gallagher how he sets up. You know, he has to be mindful of the likes of these Coburn guys because they will cause us serious problems if they're left 1v1. So, it'll be interesting how the, how the guys set up in Saturday evening. How has he set up this year? Is it defensive or is it a bit more attacking or, or has it changed? Do you have a kind of a, a sense of that? Yeah, but to, to 
throughout the league, I was excited, to be honest, because I think I thought we got the balance right. We were tight defensively at, at times, but then it seemed, Josh, when we went all out attack, it wasn't fast enough, and then when we were turned over, we were very vulnerable in defence. I think that's a, that's a major issue this year. We're, we're turning a lot of ball over, and we're getting caught in the counter attack. So, for me, if I was in there, if I was all together, that's something I would be looking to nail down because. You know, the further you go in the championship, you're going to be really punished. Kevin, there was an element of self-destruct with Galway in their uh, defeat to uh, Roscommon in the Connacht final. You think of Rory Lavelle's kickouts. Now, I'm sure it was a team plan because it's it's hard to imagine that he'd keep hitting it short, whereas defenders had to turn around, pick up the ball, try and turn, beat a man, and then feed somebody else. It really just invited pressure on them, and they've got big men in midfield. You know, Tom Flynn, Fintana, Corrine, and uh, Paul Conroy. Now, if you were a Galway manager, would you be trying to hit them long or would you persevere with this short option? Without a doubt. If I was if I was Galway, I'd be trying to target many goals might fit because it's vulnerable in that we're young and experienced and like I said, you have Conrad, you have big lads around midfield, Tom Flynn and you know, Fantina Curry. I think they can gain major success with a long kick out. Personally, I know it's harsh than any young keeper, but I think yeah, the kick outs against Mayo probably cost in the game. Um, I don't know why they weren't changed up because it was obvious. I think I counted five in a row we gave away. So obviously that's something that Galway are going to have to work on because if they don't, you know, it's, 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 Donegal will definitely pick them off. And that's where Donegal are dangerous. On short kickouts, if we turn you over, they're good at going at them. And you know, there's goals in this team. So that's something for for for, for Galway really to, to hold on. You mentioned there the kickout strategy against Ross Common for Galway, and it didn't quite work out. And um, if you're Kevin Walsh and you're the Galway manager, do you worry that the players didn't take the decision on the field to just go long? Because as Shane has mentioned, it's not like there's small men in the middle for Galway and it wasn't working. And maybe, just maybe, you want to trust your players to be able to, to see that and just and deal with it. And Galway didn't. And that, that should give Donegal a bit of a boost maybe going into this weekend's qualifier. Definitely. You know, I, myself and Thomas Shane were actually watching the game together. and We couldn't understand why... Regardless if that was a tactic or that it was a tactic, if something's not working, you must be smart enough and brave enough to make the call on the field yourself to say, "Listen, here, give us one out long," or one of the midfielders put up a hand and say, "Here, I'll take the pressure off you." The fact that that didn't happen is alarming, and I think if there is a weakness in this this Galway team, we know they have serious forwards, we know they have serious pace. If there is a weakness, I think it's a bit of leadership, a bit of steel, and a bit of know-how. Um, you know, and that did definitely let them down against Mio. Or against was yeah, Roscommon, sorry. As a Donegal man, when you'll obviously look at the talents of Damien Comer and the fact that he can bulldoze through and he has quality too to finish and Shane Walsh is clearly a classy footballer with great speed. What would you be worried about as a Donegal player? Like, or, or sorry, as a Donegal man. Are you overly worried about this Galway team? Do you think they can turn it around? Especially even like at the end of the game getting red cards as well. It just kind of had a beaten docket written all over it. I think they're dangerous. Um, both teams are similar in the fact that their their seasons are kind of being written off by everybody. Donegal are kind of written off as they don't have it to go to go the whole distance. Galway after the Roscommon game have been written off as, as bottlers and what have you. So both teams are dangerous. You know, for me, I'd be worried that if we go man to man against Galway, we're going to struggle because I don't think we have any handle with Kieran Co- or, or Comer, sorry, one to one, and the likes of Shane Walls. So for me. I'd like to see a little bit of cover come back or else we're going to be left exposed. Um, let's talk about Cork and Mayo, but before we do that, I want to play you a clip from Kevin Walsh, the Galway manager, which is relevant to the game they're involved in in Sligo on Saturday night, but it's also kind of relevant particularly to Cork because 
there's a real kind of disinterest among the Cork supporters towards the footballers. They've had a pretty tough year. They were just horrific against Kerry in the Munster final. They weren't great against Waterford in the first round. They weren't great against Tip in the semi-final at home. And quite frankly, they were lucky that Quinlevin had to go off injured in that game. Um, he was asked by Galway Bay FM's Kevin Dwyer about the support and how important that would be on Saturday night. And I guess there's relevance for Cork in this as well. More genuine support that we get there that's going to give us you know, that little step to go forward. Um, the players love genuine support and that's what every player needs. You know, There's, there's loads of social media out there at the minute that doesn't help people. I think the positive uh, verbal mouth is, is important for players to feel, you know, Wanted and and for player for players to feel that you know this this there's a chance out there for the young footballer to move on and, and improve himself and you know confidence is a huge part of that. Kevin, you've been in a county panel when things are going tough or when things aren't going 100 percent right and the build up to a game is kind of marred by negativity. Do you see the relevance in his point there and and how important is it that support from genuine supporters for a team on the night of a big match? It, it does play a part, you know. Leading up to the game, it won't be in the players' minds. It won't be spoken about, you know. But you know, mark my words. If if your backs are to the wall, um, you know, you you need something to drive you on. And to be honest, with you, it's it's easy to to take the easy way option and say, listen, nobody cares about it anyway. Let's just lie down here and roll over. That's that 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 definitely is an option. I think for both counties because. You know, I think they're suffering because the hurlers are doing so well in both counties as well. It shouldn't be the case, but for whatever reason, there seems to be more, you know, support and, and more interest in the hurlers. And you know that that's disappointing to see because you know, they're both, you know, I know Cork are struggling at the minute, but you know they've won all Ireland recently. Do you know what I mean? In the contest in the final there, two thousand ten, likewise Galway. You know, so the support should be good, but for some reason it's just not. You know. Let's talk about Cork against Mayo. Um, can I put my theory to you, Kevin? And this has been argued strongly yeah. against, actually, I have to say, when I've brought it up over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Mayo are judging themselves on whether or not they win in All-Ireland. My point in recent weeks has been that they've actually done extremely well and maybe even overachieved when you consider their lack of firepower compared to the top teams like Kerry and Dublin in the last couple of years. They've actually overachieved to get as close as they have. What do you think of that? I'd, I'd agree with you definitely to a certain extent I definitely agree with you I think you know having contested so many finals and been there thereabouts this last maybe what talking six, seven, eight years they have um, you know punched above their weight at times considering it relies so heavily on, on Kelly McConnor and it's not even from play it's from freeze you know to drag them into the game um, but you know they've done tremendously well and like you, what you said there is completely right Nothing matters apart from all Ireland Mayo. Is there one in them? I don't think so because they lack that real killer edge up front. You know, you're relying on Andy Moore and Kelly O'Connor. You know, Andy's a fantastic servant to, to, to Mayo and a great player, but is he going to bag you one five, one six in a big game? I don't think so. So that's where they're going to struggle when it really comes down to it. Uh, Kevin, do you think it's just Dublin that are, that are always going to be too much for Mayo, or could you see Kerry beating them as well? Like, do you think they've fallen that far down the peck in order that they've gone from last year being one kick of a ball from drawing two All Ireland finals to now not really being in the conversation? Yeah, I think it's I think it's Dublin, Kerry, and then for me, Tyrone and Monaghan, or Tyrone and Mayo are roughly about level, and yeah. um, two similar teams because I don't think Tyrone have the firepower up front to go the whole way either. You know what I mean? They're getting their scores from deep. And like like Mayo, once you come to Crow Park, once you come against cute teams, good teams, athletic teams, 
your halfbacks, your midfielders, your cornerbacks are not going to be scoring all day. So therefore, you're looking to your inside men, and those two teams, for me, don't have enough of the minute. Uh, let's talk about this game itself. Cork have not had a good season, as we've already outlined, but there's an awful lot of talent in that panel. Is there a possibility that regardless of what has gone on before, they could get together and just have one big performance and this could be it? Or am I cl- clutching at straws there from a Cork point of view? To be honest, I think we might see something different from Cork this weekend. I think going out against Tipperary in the first half, they played a system that was just completely didn't suit their players or their style of play. I think at the minute, well, it's, gladly it's moving away from that, but there's an obsession with this having to have a defensive structure in place before you move on. I think Cork had, you know, 12, 13 men back, and by the time they broke, it was too slow, too, you know, laborious, and by the time they got up to the danger, they were they were cordoned off. Second half and tip, they threw caution to them. They ran at them. They caused some serious bother, I thought. So I would like to see a more attacking approach against Mayo this weekend. I I have a question about the Cork attack line. Uh, at 36 years of age, Donegal O'Connor is still probably their most effective forward. Um, because he's 36, I think the kind of the general consensus is he wouldn't last 70 minutes. So should they start with him in the team to try and get a foothold? Should they end with him in the team, or should they go Peter Canavan on it, start him for 25 minutes and bring him on for the last 20? Where would you stand on that, Kevin? Or it's a bit of a no, radical, but it doesn't really happen. But why not? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Why not? Did they have to? They have to try something. Yeah. Don't know how at, at, at you know at thirty six. You know, it's, it's not even age anymore. It's just that you know, young lads are just so athletic now. It's so fit. It's just so hard to keep up with them. But you know, after playing for so many years, so he hasn't a full game in him. You know, personally, the ideal solution would be if or ideal if, if Carr could stay with Neil. 50 55 minutes and then you can introduce him but the danger being there if he's not on at the start and they go behind there's no point there's no point even bringing him on so it's a tough one maybe the Canavans you know got putting on and then going back off and then maybe going back on might be the back, the worst idea in the world yeah. from the court point of view is it possible that one man could lead this team and the rest could follow and you might get a positive result out of that Ian Maguire was actually really good for Cork in the Munster final other players disappeared a bit there was a lot of guys who 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 didn't really show up on the day, but he did. And if he does it again, it could lead to something special for Cork. It could, but, you know, again, Mayo have been around the blocks. They're going to take him out. He, he'll probably be nullified on Saturday evening. So it's really as to your links, your Kerrigan's and your Colin Mills, what bags of experience and, you know, talent to really step up here. And, you know, I know they're saying there's not much pride in Cork football. So there's a, a perfect opportunity to instill that pride in your and your supporters because if they turn if they happen to turn me over on Saturday night it'll do wonders for Cork football. Do Cork have the physicality to get through seventy minutes? Like Niall Coakley won't be playing because he's injured. Uh, I think James Lockery was one of three other players that had to come off injured during the second half against Kerry. Yeah. So they were physically broken down and we know Mayo are a seasoned team that they look physically in great shape. So that's that'd be my big worry for Cork. Yeah, um do you know what I think they're unlucky in a sense that I think they're going to make it in the old team on Saturday night, but know that they're close to getting back to where they want to be. So they're going to make it in the old team with ferocious hunger, ferocious physicality, you know, and, and strength throughout the pitch. So in that sense, I don't think they have the personnel or the physicality to stay with them. OK, Kevin Cassidy, formerly of Donegal, thank you very much for joining us on Off The Ball's Friday GAA podcast. Enjoy the football this weekend. Cheers, Arjun. I mentioned Ian Maguire as a leader there for Cork. I forgot to mention Paul Kerrigan. I mean, 
regardless of how he performs, he puts in an absolute and total committed performance every time. And he's quality. He's a throwback. He really is, he's yeah. a throwback to that Cork team that was challenging routinely back around the the latter half of the last decade, uh, right up until 2010 when they won the All Ireland. It's funny actually. Mark O'Shea said to me after the Munster final and off the ball when when he was covering the game, the Cork teams when they're at their best kind of reflect their manager. Probably just meant Billy Morgan there and Conor Cunahan as well, who actually won an All Ireland. We'll throw him in there. You don't get a sense of what they're trying to do in Cork. Like you don't like you saw Billy Morgan's fingerprints on the team when he was there. Larry Tompkins, okay, it ended badly, but it went well for a while. You could see his fingerprints on the team. Conor Cunahan the same. But you just you look at them now and you think, I'm not sure what this Cork team is. Mm, it's kind of easy to say that after the fact. Like after they have a poor performance, you look at the manager and say, Oh, he's ah, but they've weak. had a number of poor but like performances. Like even look now, at, in look at Galway, been Galway, hurl, Galway hurlers last year. Like yeah. Michal Donoghue lo- loses a game somewhere along the line, and Gerlach Nan says he looks like a character of Father Ted. Whereas now they're an yep. absolute machine of a team, and he looks no different than he looked last year physically. But all of us, you know, it's revisionism. Well, I don't think I'm for going me. A lot. No, yeah, for you maybe, yeah. But I'm not going. A lot. I'm not having that at all actually because I've been saying about this about Cork for a while and last year and we can go back if you want to go to the effort of going back we can and I was defending Michal Donoghue saying he's building on something you can see what he's trying to do and he'll keep doing it like Gerlach now wouldn't be unfamiliar with doing a few brolyisms and kind of the celebrity I think Lachnan came first there. That's he's a, quite good. He's quite good. He's a great analyst, but he does throw. He's the only one of the hurling pundits that kind of throws a line in like that that you would say is Spillane or Broly esque. Mm, yeah. Worth listening to Donald Cusack, by the way. He was speaking to Jer Gilroy last weekend on Off the Ball, and he Excellent. spoke about his time on the Sunday game and how he saw that the footballers were trying to put down the game and maybe put down the modern players because they wanted to feel a bit more special and they wanted people to, to know how great they were, whereas the hurling analysts didn't do that. Uh, talked about that and a whole range of other issues including slitters uh, s- sorry slitters is not the uh, plural term for slitter but I forget what it is I was corrected during the week I forget what it is anyway good that uh, you brought that up yeah it really is I think it's uh, ending the podcast on a high yeah. and of course all GA on News Talk brought to you by Borgash Energy official electricity partner to the GA follow hashtag hurling to the core for all the senior championship action speaking of the Senior Championship action this weekend in the aforementioned Porky Cueve. We've got James O'Connor watching the game on Saturday between Clare and Tipperary. That one off at three o'clock. He'll be on off the ball across the day. On Sunday, it's Tommy Walsh. Shane, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Oshin. Uh, all abuse to me and Atoshin Langan. All abuse to Shane on. Atoshin Langan. <laughs> thank you very much, Shane. Have a good weekend. Bye bye. Where we sported and played, it is green me.